Hamlet by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, Scene One A Room in the Castle. Enter Hamlet. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing, end them. To die, to sleep, no more, and by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished. To die, to sleep, to sleep perchance to dream, ay, there's the rub, for in that sleep of death what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life, for who would bear the whips and scorns of time, the oppressor's wrong, the proud man's contumely, the pangs of despised love, the law's delay, the insolence of office, and the spurns that patient merit of the unworthy takes? when he himself might his quietus make with a bare bodkin. Who would fardels bear to grunt and sweat under a weary life, but that the dread of something after death, the undiscovered country, from whose bore no traveller returns, puzzles the will, and makes us rather bear those ills we have than fly to others that we know not of. Thus conscience does make cowards of us all, and thus the native hue of resolution is sicklied o'er with the pale cast of thought, and enterprises of great pith and moment, with this regard their currents turn awry and lose the name of action. Soft you now, the fair Ophelia. Nymph, in thy orisons be all my sins remembered. Good my lord, how does your honour for this many a day? I humbly thank you. Well— well, well. My lord, I have remembrances of yours that I have longed, longed to re-deliver. I pray you, now receive them. No, not I. I never gave you aught. My honoured lord, you know right well you did, and with them words of so sweet breath composed as made the things more rich, their perfume lost. Take these again, for to the noble mind rich gifts wax poor when givers prove unkind. There, my lord. <laughs> Are you honest? My lord? Are you fair? What means your lordship? That if you be honest and fair, your honesty should admit no discourse to your beauty. Could beauty, my lord, have better commerce than with honesty? Ay, truly. For the power of beauty will sooner transform honesty from what it is to a bawd than the force of honesty can translate beauty into his likeness. This was sometime a paradox, but now the time gives it proof. I did love you once. Indeed, my lord, you made me believe so. You should not have believed me, for virtue cannot so inoculate our old stock but we shall relish of it. I loved you not. I was the more deceived. Get thee to a nunnery. Why wouldst thou be a breeder of sinners? 
I am myself indifferent, honest, but yet I could accuse me of such things that it were better my mother had not borne me. I am very proud, revengeful, ambitious, with more offences at my back than I have thoughts to put them in, imagination to give them shape or time to act them in. What should such fellows as I do crawling between earth and heaven? We are errant knaves all. Believe none of us. Go thy ways to a nunnery. Where's your father? At home, my lord. Let the doors be shut upon him, that he may play the fool nowhere but in his own house. Farewell. Oh, help him, you sweet heavens. If thou dost marry, I'll give thee this plague for thy dowry. Be thou as chaste as ice, as pure as snow, thou shalt not escape calumny. Get thee to a nunnery, go, farewell. Or, if thou wilt needs marry, marry a fool, for wise men know well enough what monsters you make of them. To a nunnery, go, and quickly too, farewell. O heavenly powers, restore him. I have heard of your paintings too well enough. God has given you one face, and you make yourselves another. You jig, you amble, and you lisp, and nickname God's creatures, and make your wantonness your ignorance. Go to, I'll know more, aunt. It hath made me mad. I say we will have no more marriages. Those that are married already, all but one, shall live. The rest shall keep as they are. To a nunnery. Go. Exit. Oh, what a noble mind is here overthrown. The courtiers, soldiers, scholars, eye, tongue, sword, the expectancy and rose of the fair state, the glass of fashion and the mould of form, the observed of all observers, quite, quite down, and I of ladies most deject and wretched that sucked the honey of his music vows, now see that noble and most sovereign reason, like sweet bells jangled, out of tune and harsh, that unmatched form and feature of blown youth, blasted with ecstasy. Oh, woe is me! To have seen what I have seen, see what I see. Re-enter King Claudius and Polonius. Love! His affections do not that way tend. Nor what he spake, though it lacked form a little, was not like madness. There's something in his soul o'er which his melancholy sits on brood. And I do doubt the hatch and the disclose will be some danger. Which, for to prevent, I have in quick determination thus set it down. He shall with speed to England— for the demand of our neglected tribute, haply the seas and countries different with variable objects shall expel this something settled matter in his heart, whereon his brain still beating puts him thus from fashion of himself. What think you want? It shall do well, yet do I believe the origin and commencement of his grief sprung from neglected love. How now, Ophelia? You need not tell us what Lord Hamlet said— we heard it all. My lord, do as you please, but if you hold it fit, after the play, let his queen-mother all alone entreat him to show his grief. Let her be round with him, and all be placed, so please you, in the air of all their conference. If she find him not, to England send him, or confine him where your wisdom best shall think. It shall be so. Madness in great ones must not unwatched go. Exeunt. Scene two. A hall in the castle. Enter Hamlet and players. 
Speak the speech, I pray you, as I pronounced it to you, trippingly on the tongue. But if you mouth it as many of your players do, I had as lief the town crier spoke my lines. Nor do not saw the air too much with your hand thus, but use all gently. For in the very torrent, tempest, and, as I may say, the whirlwind of passion, you must acquire and beget a temperance that may give it smoothness. Oh, it offends me to the soul to hear a robustious, periwig-pated fellow tear a passion to tatters, to very rags, to split the ears of the groundlings, who for the most part are capable of nothing but inexplicable dumb-shows and noise. I would have such a fellow whipped for or-doing termagant. It out-herods Herod. Pray you, avoid it. I warrant your honour. Be not too tame neither, but let your own discretion be your tutor. Suit the action to the word, the word to the action, with this special observance, that you o'erstep not the modesty of nature. For anything so overdone is from the purpose of playing, whose end, both at the first and now, was and is to hold as twere the mirror up to nature, to show virtue her own feature, scorn her own image, and the very age and body of the time his form and pressure. Now this overdone or come tardy off, though it make the unskilful laugh, cannot but make the judicious grieve. The censure of the which one must in your allowance o'erweigh a whole theatre of others. Oh, there be players that I have seen play, and heard others praise, and that highly, not to speak it profanely, that— neither having the accent of Christians nor the gait of Christian, pagan, nor man, have so strutted and bellowed that I have thought some of nature's journeymen had made men and not made them well. They imitated humanity so abominably. I hope we have reformed that indifferently with us, sir. Oh, reform it altogether. And let those that play your clowns speak no more than is set down for them— for there be of them that will themselves laugh to set on some quantity of barren spectators to laugh too, though in the meantime some necessary question of the play be then to be considered. That's villainous, and shows a most pitiful ambition in the fool that uses it. Go, make you ready. Exeunt players. Enter Polonius, Rosencrantz, and Guildenstern. How now, my lord? Will the king hear this piece of work? And the queen, too. And that presently. Bid the players make haste. Exit Polonius. Will you two help to hasten them? We will, my lord. Exeunt Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. What ho, Horatio? Enter Horatio. Here, sweet lord, at your service. Horatio, thou art e'en as just a man as e'er my conversation coped withal. Oh, my dear lord. Nay, do not think I flatter. For what advancement may I hope from thee, that no revenue hast but thy good spirits to feed and clothe thee? Why should the poor be flattered? No, let the candied tongue lick absurd pomp, and crook the pregnant hinges of the knee where thrift may follow fawning. Dost thou hear? Since my dear soul was mistress of her choice, and could of men distinguish, her election hath sealed thee for herself. For thou hast been as one in suffering all that suffers nothing— a man that fortune's buffets and rewards hast tain with equal thanks, and blessed are those whose blood and judgment are so well commingled that they are not a pipe for fortune's finger to sound what stop she please. Give me that man that is not passion's slave, and I will wear him in my heart's core, ay, in my heart of heart, 
as I do thee. Something too much of this. There is a play tonight before the king. One scene of it comes near the circumstance which I have told thee of my father's death. I prithee, when thou seest that act afoot, even with the very comment of thy soul, observe mine uncle. If his occulted guilt do not itself unkennel in one speech— it is a damned ghost that we have seen, and my imaginations are as foul as Vulcan's stithy. Give him a heedful note, for I mine eyes will rivet to his face, and after we will both our judgments join in censure of his seeming. Well, my lord, if he still ought, the whilst this play is playing, and scape detecting, I will pay the theft. They are coming to the play. I must be idle. Get you a place. Danish march, a flourish... Enter King Claudius, Queen Gertrude, Polonius, Ophelia, Rosencrantz, Guildenstern, and others. How fares our cousin Hamlet? Excellent, faith of the chameleon's dish. I eat the air, promise crammed. You cannot feed capons so. I have nothing with this answer, Hamlet. These words are not mine. No, nor mine now. To Polonius. My lord... You played once in the university, you say? That did I, my lord. I was accounted a good actor. What did you enact? I did enact Julius Caesar. I was killed in the capital. Brutus killed me. It was a brute part of him to kill so capital a calf there. Be the players ready. Aye, my lord. They stay upon your patience. Come hither, my dear Hamlet. Sit by me. No, good mother, here's metal more attractive. To King Claudius. Oh-ho! Do you mark that? Lady, shall I lie in your lap? No, my lord. I mean, my head upon your lap. Aye, my lord. Do you think I meant country matters? I think nothing, my lord. That's a fair thought, to lie between maids' legs. What is, my lord? Nothing. You are merry, my lord. Who? I? I, my lord. Oh, God, you're only jig-maker. What should a man do but be merry? For look you, how cheerfully my mother looks, and my father died within these two hours. Nay, tis twice two months, my lord. So long? Nay, then let the devil wear black, for I'll have a suit of sables. Oh, heavens, die two months ago and not forgotten yet— then there's hope a great man's memory may outlive his life half a year. But by your lady he must build churches then, or else shall he suffer not thinking on with the hobby-horse, whose epitaph is, For O, oh, for O, oh, the hobby-horse is forgot. Houtboy's play. The dumb show enters. Enter a king and a queen very lovingly, the queen embracing him and he her. She kneels and makes show of protestation unto him. He takes her up and declines his head upon her neck, lays him down upon a bank of flowers. She, seeing him asleep, leaves him. Anon comes in a fellow, takes off his crown, kisses it, and pours poison in the king's ears, and exit. The queen returns, finds the king dead, and makes passionate action. The poisoner, with some two or three mutes, comes in again, seeming to lament with her. The dead body is carried away. 
The poisoner woos the queen with gifts. She seems loath and unwilling a while, but in the end accepts his love. Exeunt. What means this, my lord? Mary, this is meeching malico. It means mischief. Belike this show imports the argument of the play. Enter prologue. We shall know by this fellow. The players cannot keep counsel. They'll tell all. Will he tell us what this show meant? Ay, or any show that you'll show him. Be not you ashamed to show, he'll not shame to tell you what it means. You are not, you are not. I'll mark the play. For us and for our tragedy, here stooping to your clemency, we beg your hearing patiently. Exit. Is this a prologue or the posy of a ring? Tis brief, my lord. As woman's love. Enter two players, king and queen. Full thirty times hath Phoebus' cart gone round Neptune's salt wash and Tellus' orbid ground, and thirty dozen moons with borrowed sheen about the world have times twelve thirties been, since love our hearts and hymen did our hands unite commutual in most sacred bands. So many journeys may the sun and moon make us again count o'er ere love be done. But woe is me, you are so sick of late, so far from cheer and from your former state, that I distrust you. Yet, though I distrust, discomfort you, my lord, it nothing must. For women's fear and love holds quantity, in neither aught nor in extremity. Now what my love is, proof hath made you know, and as my love is sized, my fear is so. Where love is great, the littlest doubts are fear. Where little fears grow great, great love grows there. Faith, I must leave thee, love, and shortly, too, My operant powers their functions leave to do, And thou shalt live in this fair world behind, Honoured, beloved, and haply one as kind For husband shalt thou. Oh, confound the rest! Such love must needs be treason in my breast. In second husband let me be accursed. None wed the second but who killed the first. Wormwood, wormwood. The instances that second marriage move are base respects of thrift, but none of love. A second time I kill my husband dead when second husband kisses me in bed. I do believe you think what now you speak. But what we do determine, oft we break. Purpose is but the slave to memory, Of violent birth, but poor validity, Which now, like fruit unripe, sticks on the tree, But fall unshaken, when they mellow be. Most necessary tis that we forget To pay ourselves what to ourselves is debt. What to ourselves in passion we propose, The passion ending, doth the purpose lose, the violence of either grief or joy their own enactures with themselves destroy. Where joy most revels, grief doth most lament. Grief joys, joy grieves, on slender accident. This world is not for I, nor tis not strange that even our loves should with our fortunes change, for tis a question left us yet to prove whether love lead fortune, or else fortune love. The great man down, 
you mark his favorite flies the poor advanced makes friends of enemies and hitherto doth love on fortune tend for who not needs shall never lack a friend and who in want a hollow friend doth try directly seasons him his enemy but orderly to end where i begun our wills and fates do so contrary run that our devices still are overthrown our thoughts are ours their ends none of our own so think thou wilt no second husband wed but die thy thoughts when thy first lord is dead nor earth to me give food nor heaven light sport and repose lock from me day and night to desperation turn my trust and hope an anchor's cheer in prison be my scope each opposite that blanks the face of joy meet what i would have well and it destroy both here and hence pursue me lasting strife if once a widow ever i be wife if she should break it now tis deeply sworn sweet leave me here a while my spirits grow dull and fain i would beguile the tedious day with sleep sleep rock thy brain and never come mischance between us twain exit madam how like you this play the lady protests too much methinks oh but she'll keep her word have you heard the argument is there no offence in't no no they do but jest poison in jest no offence in the world what do you call the play the mouse trap marry how tropically this play is the image of a murder done in vienna gonzago is the duke's name his wife baptista you shall see anon tis a knavish piece of work but what of that your majesty and we that have free souls it touches us not let the galled jade wince our withers are unwrung enter lucianus this is one lucianus nephew to the king you are as good as a chorus my lord i could interpret between you and your love if i could see the puppets dallying you are keen my lord you are keen it would cost you a groaning to take off my edge still better and worse so you must take your husbands begin murderer pox leave thy damnable faces and begin come the croaking raven doth bellow for revenge thoughts black hands apt drugs fit and time agreeing confederate season else no creature seeing thou mixture rank of midnight weeds collected with hecate band thrice blasted thrice infected thy natural magic and dire property on wholesome life usurp immediately pours the poison into the sleeper's ears he poisons him i the garden for his estate his name's gonzago the story is extant and written choice italian you shall see anon how the murderer gets the love of gonzago's wife the king rises what frighted with false fire how fares my lord give o'er the play give me some light away lights 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 exeunt all but hamlet and horatio why let the stricken deer go weep the heart ungalled play for some must watch while some must sleep so runs the world away 
Would not this, sir, and a forest of feathers, if the rest of my fortunes turn Turk with me, with two provincial roses on my raised shoes, get me a fellowship and a cry of players, sir? Half a share. A whole one, I. For thou dost know, O Damon dear, this realm dismantled was of Jove himself, and now reigns here a very, very pajock. You might have rhymed. Oh, good Horatio, I'll take the ghost's word for a thousand pound. Didst perceive? Very well, my lord. Upon the talk of the poisoning. I did very well note him. Aha, come, some music. Come, the recorders. For if the king like not the comedy, why then, belike, he likes it not, Perdi. Come, some music. Re-enter Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Good, my lord. Vouchsafe me a word with you. Sir, a whole history. The king, sir. I, sir, what of him? Is in his retirement. Marvellous distempered. With drink, sir? No, my lord. Rather with choler. Your wisdom should show itself more richer to signify this to his doctor, for for me to put him to his purgation would perhaps plunge him into far more choler. Good, my lord. Put your discourse into some frame, and start not so wildly from my affair. I am tame, sir. Pronounce. The queen, your mother, in most great affliction of spirit, hath sent me to you. You are welcome. Nay, good my lord. This courtesy is not of the right breed. If it shall please you to make me a wholesome answer, I will do your mother's commandment. If not, your pardon and my return shall be the end of my business. Sir, I cannot. What, my lord? Make you a wholesome answer. My wits diseased. But, sir, such answer as I can make you shall command, or rather, as you say, my mother, therefore no more but to the matter. My mother, you say. Then thus she says, your behavior hath struck her into amazement and admiration. Oh, wonderful son that can so astonish a mother. But is there no sequel at the heels of this mother's admiration? In part. She desires to speak with you in our closet, ere you go to bed. We shall obey, were she ten times our mother. Have you any further trade with us? My lord, you once did love me. So I do still, by these pickers and stealers. Good my lord, what is your cause of distemper? You do surely bar the door upon your own liberty, if you deny your griefs to your friend. Sir, I lack advancement. How can that be, when you have the voice of the king himself for your succession in Denmark? Aye, but sir, while the grass grows, the proverb is something musty. Re-enter players with recorders. Oh, the recorders, let me see one. To withdraw with you, why do you go about to recover the wind of me, as if you would drive me into a toil? Oh, my lord, if my duty be too bold, my love is too unmannerly. I do not well understand that. Will you play upon this pipe? My lord, I cannot. I pray you. Believe me, I cannot. I do beseech you. I know no touch of it, my lord. Tis as easy as lying. Govern these vintages with your fingers and thumb, give it breath with your mouth, and it will discourse most eloquent music. Look you, these are the stops. But these I cannot command to any utterance of harmony. I have not the skill. Why, look you now. How unworthy a thing you make of me. You would play upon me, you would seem to know my stops, you would pluck out the heart of my mystery. You would sound me from my lowest note to the top of my compass. 
and there is much music, excellent voice in this little organ. Yet cannot you make it speak? Splud, do you think I am easier to be played on than a pipe? Call me what instrument you will, though you can fret me, yet you cannot play upon me.' 